how to say Christian in America, you think this is actually very applicable because it's where most of us live here in America. And like I said, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that say that America is a Christian nation and there is some truth to that. But we also need to realize that we live in a, in a cultural right in, in a culture right now that is very anti-Christianity. And we need to, I, I think it's important for us to have an appropriate patriotism, not like a blind. Um, what's that guy's name? Uh, Cloyd Rivers, like a blind Cloyd, Cloyd Rivers patriotism. Uh, yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying we shouldn't do, but it's okay. Um, yeah, I think we don't need to just uh, say, yeah, America's right and everything. Because you guys know um, in the past, you know, 40 years, legally, we've murdered you know, like 60 million babies. So we need to, we need to, we need to wear that. That's, that. that's America we're talking about. So is America a Christian nation? Well, there's a lot of things about America that are only this way because of a Christian heritage and a Christian foundation. And so that we need to be thankful for. But one thing that's super important for us, if we're in our, in our attempt to be patriotic and our, our attempt to be thankful for the, the nation that we live in right now, is we need to not equate Christianity with America. We need to not have our Christianity tied to the fact that we're American. Because if so, it's a very narrow-minded view of Christianity. And it discounts the rest of the world's population. And that there are, there are many nations with more Christians in it than America. And we need to realize that. And we also, and this is something that uh, was kind of ingrained in me as a, as a younger kid growing up. Is that um, we need to not... Uh, I, it was ingrained in me to tie our, my Christianity to the fact that I was American. That's what, and that there was a, a special, God had a special place for America, even in the end times. And we need to realize that today, America could crumble and fall. And our faith in Christ should not be shattered. Because, and, and for a lot of us, that's, that's a big deal. Because you guys realize that it's not just in the, in the biblical times that there was persecution for Christians, that there's persecution today, that people will be killed today in the world because they are Christian. That'd be the, and that's the only reason. This is huge. And so if we, we need to just make sure we have a broader understanding of Christianity. And I will say this, uh, to talk about an appropriate patriotism, it, that we do need to be thankful for the way that even our government has been put together because our government was put together in such a way that, that the founders of, our, of the United States had in their mind that, 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 sinful, that human nature was sinful. Do you guys know that? And the way that our, the, our, we're organized, the way that we're structured with the, uh, like, you know, the three branches of government and checks and balances that this is done in such a way. I know that you guys will take like a civics class and it's really boring, but it's actually, it's ingenious. Uh, there's a, there was this guy, his name was John Adams. You guys ever heard of him? <laughs> he had a cousin named Samuel Adams. I think he, he made a lot of beer. <laughs> true, true story. They're cousins. They're both patriots. 
Um, but John Adams was our second president. And a lot of the way that our government is structured was based on his thinking. He wrote a, he wrote like a six page letter on based on my thoughts on government. And it's all based on taking individual power, like taking power out of individual people so that you wouldn't have one person who just ruled everything. If because coming from a monarchy, if you have a king or an emperor, then they, that the idea was that power tends to corrupt and that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so to, to keep from having a tyranny, he said, we need to spread the power apart. But then he's like, we can't just have one body of people do this because if we just have one group of people that do this, then they're just going to make laws for themselves. And then you have the same thing. You just have an evil group of people. So we need to spread out, spread out the, the power and the authority in as much as possible to, to help correct the fact that we're all sinful people. And it, it, having the mindset of people being sinful actually helps us to regulate the power in our government. But the sad thing is, is this isn't happening now. Like even this idea of having the three different branches of government that are watching over each other, making sure that one power doesn't usurp the other power. That's, I mean, that's not happening today because we have, you know, the executive branch making executive orders, bypassing the other two branches. We have the Supreme Court telling the legislative branch that they're having that the their laws are unconstitutional and like the constitution also not constitutional so i mean this isn't happening but we do need to be thankful for for the way it was founded we also need to be thankful that you have a right to take part in the government you guys for most of us we don't even think that that's something we should be thankful for because we haven't, we don't know any different. We don't pay any attention, but you guys realize that in the, when the new Testament was written, that it would, it was unheard of that an individual person would have the right to make laws and change things in the government, right? Do you guys realize that? So you have this opportunity that you need to be thankful for. And so I want, we do need to be thankful that God, I mean, cause right now, you know, like you guys all rode here on buses that say like Christian on them. You guys, you guys realize that? Like we're, we're here together in a place where we can say this is a, a Christian worship service that's taking place. That we're worshiping Jesus and we're teaching out of the Bible. And we don't have any persecution because of that. We need to be thankful for that. That's a big deal. So be excited about that. But we also don't need to take that for granted. We also don't need to think that countries where this isn't happening is just wrong inherently. Because I don't know if you've paid attention to the state of Christianity in the world. But you know, Christianity is growing like crazy in China. And in China, to follow scripture is illegal. They, have, they do have like government-run churches. But the growth that's taking place with real believers in China is in is apart from the approval of the government. And in China, it's crazy. There, you, there's a lot of people in China that they believe that a, for a pastor to be seen as you know, qualified, that they need to have been in jail for a while. That like in the States, someone would go to a seminary. In China, they go to jail. Isn't that crazy? But what's awesome is that even in that, God's being glorified. Because pastors are going to jail, and then you know what they're doing in jail? Preaching. Preaching the gospel to a captive audience. 
See that? You know, sometimes you got to put, sometimes you just have, it's just sitting right there. I had to say it. And then pe- these people, God's using the jails in China to spread the gospel because people are coming to faith in Christ and then getting released from jail and going back to their hometown as Christians. So, I mean, we need to be thankful for where we're at, but also realize that this isn't, I mean, this isn't all there is. America isn't all there is. And we can't hold, we can't hold too tightly to be an American that we allow that, that our American identity usurps our identity in Christ, right? So, and we need to realize that even though we have all these benefits in America right now, that this, that it's still hostile towards Christianity. Now, you might be saying, but you just said we had freedom of speech and expression and, you know, we're together like this. Well, that's where we need to realize that the, the nature of the attack is different. The nature of the attack in the United States is different than the, the nature of the attack in China. And Jesus said this in John 15. He said, he said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And now for a lot of us, we think this isn't happening. Does the world really hate us in America? Does America hate us? Yeah, but we got to we got to pay attention. The attacks are different, right? If you were of this world, the world would love you as its own, but because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. We also need to remember in First Peter, he says we are aliens and strangers in this world. And that's different than what Brody's been talking about as far as uh, we used to be aliens and alienated from God. Now we're not. He's saying this is, we are aliens in this world. We're aliens to the world. Because we're in Christ, we're aliens to this world. We're strangers. This world is not our home, and we can't get too comfortable here, you know? So we need to know the enemy and his tactics. That, to me, this is huge because the, the, I think that Satan attacks America and American Christians very subtly. So much so that you don't even know you're under attack until you've already lost a lot of battles, right? This is what's happening to us today. And I think this, you know, we talk about how you're in the, we're in the middle of this cultural revolution. And what that means is we're in the middle of a period of time where sinful behavior is being normalized in our culture and not just normalized, but celebrated. Now, and remember yesterday when Brody talked a ton about these are I mean, specifically, these are sinful sexual behaviors. And that's one of the chief areas where we are being attacked is in the area of sex and sexuality and marriage. And the reason for that is because God is the one who created marriage and sex and sexuality. And these are good things that God has created. And so marriage itself is is the greatest human picture of the gospel that we have. So, of course, it's going to be under attack. Does that make sense? You know, this is something that God values so highly. So, yeah, it makes sense that it's going to be attacked. And the, the attacks that we're experiencing are so subtle. I think the, the place where we're seeing the majority of the attacks are in entertainment, in, in advertising, in media. Like, for instance, I think um, looking through um, an American history, right, it, it looks like right now in our culture, homosexuality is totally normalized. It's totally normal. It's not taboo. It's not wrong. It's, it's normal and it's celebrated. And it, I think that the chief tool that was used for this is the sitcom. And you think, what? Now think about this. I'm telling you that one of the best tools that the world has to change the way that you think is a sitcom. 
There was a guy, you guys have heard of him. His name is J.R.R. Tolkien. He wrote a bunch of movies. And, um, and he's, you got it. Uh, somebody asked him about the Lord of the Rings. They said, are these Christian books? And he said, of course they are. He said, in fact, they're Catholic because I'm Catholic. Isn't that interesting? Because he wrote them. He's saying they're Christian. Well, it makes sense because whatever someone produces, they put their worldview into what they're producing. Everybody is expressing. When you think of a movie or a TV show or a song, realize that that's an expression of a worldview that's teaching you that worldview. That's huge. Because, you know, the people that write most of the songs and the people that write most of the, the movies and TV shows that we watch or listen to or entertain by, they're not believers. So it would make sense that the stuff that they're teaching, and I know you don't want to think that, how is a movie teaching me? It's teaching you because it's giving you, it's portraying reality for you. It's giving you a portrayal of reality and, and your brain automatically assimilates that as truth, as real. And what happens is, and this is what uh, Tolkien said. This is fascinating. Someone asked him, you know, was asking him about fiction writing. And he said that he believed that fiction writing was the best way to teach theology to a popular culture. Isn't that interesting? I think if he lived today, he would say movies or TV shows. And he said, it's like you're sneaking theology past watchful dragons. Because think about it. Well, it's funny to say that because you don't think about it when if somebody were to, you know, if, if your student pastor came up to you and said, hey, here's an article written by somebody. They're an atheist and they believe that Christianity is a joke. Read this article. You know, you'd be like, OK, yeah, I'll read that. And you're like, oh, I can't believe it said this wrong, 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 wrong. You start thinking critically. But if someone says, hey, want to watch a movie? Do you think critically? Are you like, what are they trying to say in this? I can't believe they're doing that. Did he really say that? No, you don't. And so what happens is you, you stop thinking critically and your brain goes into this mode where it's like, oh, this is neat. This is real. This is real life. Even though you know it's not. If you stop, it's, they call it the, like, the willing suspension of disbelief. Nerdy people talk about stuff like that. Why would I not? I'm just ridiculous. But you stop. You, you don't think about it. You're not critically thinking about it. You're intentionally not thinking about it. But in intentionally not thinking about it, it's affecting you. There's no dragons watching out. Just sneak it right past them. And I think, also with homosexuality, the sitcom 20 years ago was the first time we saw on TV. I mean, because you guys realize TV used to be super strict, right? They wouldn't even let married couples pretend to be sleeping in the same bed with each other. (laughs) On TV. That was too risque. And, and so then 20 years ago, we see the first homosexual character. Now, did they introduce him as like a serious character trying to make an agenda? No, they were loud, flamboyant, total comic relief, but now they're in the door. Now they're in. Now you start to have some sort of positive emotion towards them. And in so doing, you now, you, you question homosexuality less. Think of it differently because it's been normalized. And once that person is now your friend from the TV show, then they can do whatever they want with them. They can have them experience serious life crisis and you feel for them all the time, removing yourself from the morality that you would say that you hold to. It's crazy. 
I mean, I've seen this happen to me. I, 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 I used to tell the story a couple years ago. Like, I remember one of the best movies ever, you know, Braveheart. And one of the best scenes ever was when, if you guys aren't familiar with this movie, you should watch the edited version because I'm sure there's things in there that I've forgotten that are bad that you shouldn't watch. But at its core, there's something that's terrible that you don't realize it's terrible. Because there's a part in this movie where the, the uh, let's see, the bad guy's wife is pregnant with the good guy's baby. And then she tells the dying father, what's inside my belly is a baby that's not of your line. And you're basically, your crown, your kingdom dies with you. And that happens and you're like, oh yeah, you know? She told him, and you realize, man, I'm celebrating adultery in my heart. Isn't that crazy? You wind up, you get sucked in, and the emotion, the, 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 the soundtrack builds, and you believe and you love whatever they say. And you realize, I don't think adultery is good or you know, I think it's the opposite, but right now that's what I'm cheering for. That's what I'm rejoicing in. That's what I'm exalting in. And it's crazy on an, on a, on a, on a different, on a lower scale, we accept sinful behavior as normal and celebrated based on the way that movies and TV shows are presenting the worldview of their writers. And so we got to be so critical and I'm not saying don't watch movies, don't watch TV shows. I'm saying, Watch movies, watch TV shows as a Christian. What are they, what is this really saying? Step back and this might ruin movies and TV shows for you. You might, especially if you're married to somebody who just says, I just want to watch and enjoy this movie. That might ruin it. She might get mad at you and say, stop talking. I want to just be happy right now. But you need to think about it. How is it affecting you? Because you're being affected. You guys realize that you're learning all day, every day, your, your eyes are open, you're learning and you're learning about the world and you're being taught things and you're being taught things by movies, by TV shows, by songs. There's a guy's name is Andrew Fletcher. He said, let me write the songs of the nation. I don't care who writes their laws. Let me write the songs of the nation. Cause if you get people saying your message, then the laws don't matter because you're affecting the people individually at their core. And we are those people that are being affected individually at our core by the things that we're being entertained by. I mean, how many times? I mean, it's obviously your language, you know. You, it's easy to see how your language is influenced by what you've watched, right? You know, if I'm, I was going to start quoting Nacho Libre, but I guess Nacho Libre is kind of getting... Is that too old now to even quote? Okay, it's, it's classic, you know. That's right. That's right. He knows where to find real eagle's eggs, you know. Um, this is, you know, beneath the clothes, there's a man. And beneath the man, you find his nucleus. Um, so we know that our language, hey, one of the best movies ever in the history of nachos um, but our, our language is obviously affected because we, we quote movies all the time. 
People are always quoting movies. I've done it. I've taught twice a day, and I've, quote two, I've quoted two different movies. One of them only to prove the point that I'm quoting movies, so that doesn't count. So I've got to pay attention not to quoting more movies. But we do. And if your language is, is affected, why wouldn't your thinking be affected? Are you so, do you think, oh, no, I'm so strong. and I'm, I'm such a solid thinker that the way I think isn't, isn't influenced apart from my intention. Now, that's silly, right? Um, and so we need to pay attention because um, homosexuality, casual sex, sex, pornography, all of these things are being paraded in front of us as if they're good and if they're right, if they're normal, and they're being celebrated and we're being sucked in. Uh, uh, one of the most popular TV shows right now is the Game of Thrones. And Game of Thrones is pornography. And it's crazy because they've intentionally, uh, the, the directors are intentionally saying that they're having a new, um, well, a, a new technique in, um, in making movies, but they're calling it sex position. That they're saying that they're using sex scenes in the movie, in, or in the TV show, intentionally to add to the plot. They're making it an integral part of the plot. So that in the past, if you had a sex scene in a movie, it was often like, oh, it was like what we would call a gratuitous sex scene. It was just in there because people wanted to see flesh, right? But now they're saying that they're trying to make it an integral part of the storyline. Right? I mean, this is huge. So they're adding value to the sex scene and making it more important and valuable to you as a viewer. Wow. And we forget the fact that these are actors. That these are people created in God's image. That that, that woman is somebody's daughter. Maybe somebody's sister. Somebody's wife. Somebody's mom. And she's acting out things that if they were in this room in front of us right now, we would freak out and run away. Right? We've got to remember that. That's reality. Also, I think as far as advertising, advertising, they say a picture says a thousand words, right? And it's true. And the thing about advertising is that we'll see pictures and images and scenarios that are, that are, that are automatically added, automatically given value to it. This is what's supposed to be good. This is what's supposed to be right. Um, there's a picture um, here. This is, uh, you've seen Sports Illustrated. Uh, it's, kind of, it's got a pretty big circulation. Um, the May 16th and the back issue now, apparently I found out that there's uh, different uh, back covers to Sports Illustrated depending on where you are in the country. What's fascinating is this is in North Carolina. That comes into play with transgender stuff, specifically in North Carolina's opposition to uh, the transgender bathrooms, locker rooms, changing areas. Okay, so you see this picture, and it's very, it seems subtle. It's so subtle, but it's the opposite of subtle. Okay, it, all it says, the only text says, shot an iPhone 6S. That's the Apple sig- uh, symbol. This it says Verizon on it. And this is what Apple's, they're just, they're just doing this. This is their ad campaign. They just take pictures and they say, shot an iPhone 6S. So you're supposed to see this and think, I need to buy an iPhone 6S or something. But look at the picture. You have a little boy and a little girl in a locker room. You think that they're not trying to make a statement here? It's crazy because you don't notice it at first. You see this and you're like, this is this little boy and little girl sitting across from each other. What's the big deal? This is innocent. This is fine. Who, someone's trying to make this against the law. Do you guys, you guys, you're, you guys getting it? You guys realize this is, this is, we're having laws right now in the United States trying to make this common, make this right. Have put boys and girls, men and women, changing clothes in the same rooms. Now, 
What they don't show you is the next picture. This is the reality. The reality is the same laws that would put little boys and little girls changing in the same area would also put a middle-aged man changing in the same area. Now, of course they're not going to... This, this ad is not going to be shown right now in our cultural revolution. Let's put middle-aged naked men in the same room as our little girls. No one's going to make that argument. So they make it subtly. They make it subtly by just showing you a little boy and a little girl in the same locker room. But this is, we need to understand that this is the reality of that type of litigation. And we were talking about this the other day, that a lot of you are going to go back into schools in a couple weeks where changes have taken place over the summer because of the Department of Education redefining what is, um, what is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It starts with a D. Discriminating. You know, sometimes you can remember parts of words. Which isn't that amazing? Like your brain can basically remember like the flavor of a word. Like, I don't know. Can I think it has an L? It has like a, it's three syllables. And so part of your brain searches the other part of your brain that it partially remembers. And just think, it all happened by chance with no one designing any of it. Isn't that, wouldn't that be really amazing? So you guys, you guys realize that a lot of you are going back to schools where this is now a reality. We're, we had a student here last week from South Carolina, and, uh, and he's struggling with the fact that he's a senior and his, his little sister is a freshman. And they've already changed. Their, their county is making a huge push to be like the first county in South Carolina to say, we're getting rid of boy and girl bathrooms and boy and girl locker rooms. And he said, what am I supposed to do if I feel like there's some guys going into a locker room where my sister is? He said, should, should, I, go, should I start a fight? But yeah, if you feel like your sister is being preyed on. I mean, it's already happening. There's already lawsuits against people going. And in fact, let's go back to the original picture. Can I tell you the, the weirdest part about this? Somebody is in a locker room with a camera. That's, that's weird. But that, that, I was going to say, that's happening right now. There's lawsuits, right? Where people are already saying, well, I'm a man and I identify. And I mean, I'm a woman. I identify as a woman, so I'm going into this woman's bathroom. But I'm taking pictures of other women changing clothes. That's interesting. So it's happening. Uh, the, and so a, a lot of this is affecting gender identity, right? You guys understand uh, gender identity. I was going to mention the House Bill 2. That's something in North Carolina. It's happening in North Carolina right now where the North Carolina governor said that, we're, that they're not accepting the changes that the Department of Education is making. Um, and it's crazy because it, we're experiencing, North Carolina is experiencing the ramifications for that because, you know, uh, some rock stars won't play concerts in North Carolina anymore, which is a sad, sad thing. And now what's interesting is just, okay, pay attention to this. We're talking about gender identity and the culture, our culture is trying to tell you that whatever you think, whatever you think that determines whether you're male or male or female, right? So your gender is determined by how you're thinking at that moment. Okay. Keep that in mind. And of course that's bigoted. And you're trying to put people in a box. 
and trying to say that your, oh, biology is supposed to determine that. Well, whatever your biological gender assigned at birth means nothing. It only matters what you think. How dare you make distinctions based on biological male and female? Now, the NBA has taken the all-star game out of North Carolina because of the stance that our governor is taking on distinctions between biological male and female. The NBA is doing that. You know, the same organization that owns the NBA owns the, the WNBA. How dare North Carolina make distinctions based on biological male and female? Does anybody see this? You guys realize that the Olympic Committee is freaking out because they're thinking we have male events and female events. And they, they thought, should we, they've gone through a bunch of different things. Oh, we can't do it based on testosterone. Bigoted. We can't do it on chromosomes. How dare you? It has to be on how they're thinking and feeling. And right now, the closest thing they have is they'll allow someone to, comp- I don't know what's going to, they're finally going to go into. The last article I read was going to be, it was going to be, um, you, whatever, that a person could identify as a different gender than the one they were biologically assigned at birth. And they had to stick to it for five more years. Just to make sure it took, I guess. Speaking of which, you guys know, the uh, the biggest uh, the biggest name is uh, right Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner who uh, was it seventy four maybe seventy four Olympics somewhere in the seventies Olympics I should know this was I think it was seventy four was crowned the gold medal in the decathlon I know a lot of you probably aren't huge Olympic scholars nor are you interested in the decathlon. But the winner of the decathlon in the Olympics is beyond question the most athletic person in the world. And Bruce Jenner said that the proudest moment of his life was not being the most athletic person in the world. What was when he told the world he was a woman. Priorities, Bruce. No offense, but there's lots of women. But there's only one person every four years crowned as the most athletic person in the world. Be proud of that, you know? Be proud if you're a woman, that's fine. Take pride in the fact of your femininity. Great. But most athletic man in the world. Um, yeah, so that's happening. Um, you, also need to, you also need to make sure that when you, if you go off to a state school that you're, you've already decided what you want your PGP to, de- to be. You guys all know your PGP, right? You guys haven't thought through what your PGP is? Your preferred gender pronoun? Hey, and hey, you don't have to, don't be put into a box. Don't stick with just he or she. Get creative. You know, okay, so you guys, for everybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, um, it's, it's, it's offensive and uh, intolerant and restrictive to make somebody go by he or she. Especially if you're assuming that because they're biologically male, 
that they should be called he. Restrictive. And so just like for a lot of you, if you're in school, uh, on the first day class, you go through the role. And if you go by a name other than your legal name, then you have to tell your teacher, right? So like Zachariah, my name is Zachariah Mabry. A lot of times, first day of school, you know, call and roll, Zachariah. Oh, now what do you go by? I go by Zach. All right, great. Now that's, what do you go by? Great, Zach. Now what's your PGP? What's your preferred gender pronoun? And now the University of Wisconsin has been great because they've given us a, a list of how to use these. And so you could choose any of these, you know, if, instead of, you know, he or she. So if it's subjective, you, don't, you could be he, she, or you could have Z, C, E, V, T, or E. And if it's objective, of course, it would be, instead of him or her, it would be Zim, C, M, Ver, Tier, or Eem. But then if it's like reflexive, what do you do? Z, self. Hear self, ear self, veer self, tear self, eem self. And it, and it doesn't matter. Whatever you think it should be, that's right. Now, it's, it, what's very frustrating is that they're using the same, the same arguments that were used in the civil rights movement. Now, the civil rights movement, what I mean is uh, promoting racial equality. And that is something that needed to take place, especially in the South. We needed that to happen. We, we, we needed people to understand that there is no difference in value of people of different races. But they're using the same arguments that were used in the civil rights movement to justify this gender identity movement. But the problem is, is that they are refusing to have it reflected backwards back to races. Like uh, last year, there's this woman, her name is Rachel Dolezal. She used to be the president of the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, until it came out that she was white. So a white girl can't be the president of the NAACP. Now, for a lot of us, we think, okay, I'm fine with that. But the problem is, is that we're living in a culture where it's okay just by the way that you think to switch from being male to female and back based on your thinking. How are you feeling? So if, and you guys realize the distinctions between biologically male and biologically female, that's a bigger difference than white, black, brown. You understand? Like my... um, I have a, my wife is half Mexican and there's a bigger distinction between us male and female than her being half Mexican. Does that, does that make sense? You see that? So wouldn't it make sense if you can decide what gender you are? Can't you decide what race you are? No way. Not now. Isn't that crazy? It's just inconsistent. But listen to what she says. She says, for me, How I feel is more important than how I was born. Can you use that argument to say that you're a different gender? Yes. Can you use that argument to say you're a different race? No. That doesn't make any sense. A lot of us don't even know what race we are. Isn't that weird? Can't you just just guess? Decide for yourself? No, you can't. Because somehow that's still determined by biology. But your gender isn't. 
Because she said, if somebody asked me how I identify, I identify as black. Nothing about whiteness describes who I am. Except, of course, her parents. And how she was born. Isn't that fascinating? Now she doesn't have a job. She's living off government support. Because she can't, people have lost all respect for her because she said she was a different race. She could have said that she was a man. Wouldn't, would, no problem with that. Isn't that crazy? Or, Spencer talked about this a little this morning, species identity. This is real right now. There's the furry movement is alive and well. I know that sounds like a joke. And I wish it was. But you got people that are saying, because of how I think, I could be a different animal. You know? Some of them are really smart. Like the Oxford professor guy who wanted to be a badger. Smart. But you know what hinders them from doing that? Biology. You know? Can't eat the same diet as a goat and live. Just can't do it. Can't reproduce with goats biology prohibits that not really a goat it's not really changing anything we also need to realize the way that this affected us was with with animal rights what's it, what's popular in our culture right now is the elevation of animal rights and elevating it's fascinating elevating animal rights actually above humans in a lot of cases you think about old uh What's the name? The lion, Cecil. You guys remember Cecil the lion? Cecil the lion was, uh, was a lion killed by a guy named Walter Palmer, who's a dentist in Zimbabwe. He was on a legal safari, legal hunt. And it turns out that this lion had actually broken the rules and had escaped from a wilderness preserve. And this guy shot him, not knowing that he had a name, that his name was Cecil. And when the, when I'm, this is, I'm real, this is real. When the media found out this guy was, I mean, people were threatening his life saying that he needed to be executed just the way he executed this lion, Cecil. What about Cecil the lion? And it's crazy. I mean, our culture went crazy over this. You know, what's fascinating is that African culture didn't go crazy over this. I have a, one of, a good friend, a guy who's staying with me right now, Bobby Lane, used to work, uh, used to work here. He, uh, he was in, at this time he was in South Sudan, and uh, he only found out about Cecil the Lion from his American Facebook with people, you know, everybody talking about him. It, because in Africa, when someone kills a lion, they're celebrated. Because do you know what lions do to Africans? That's right. They killed them. People, people in, the, in the village that he was a part of would celebrate somebody killing a lion because that means that lion is not going to try to kill their children. Isn't that fascinating? And most recently, uh, Harambe. You guys hear about Harambe, the Western lowland gorilla. Brody talked about him a little bit last night. One, one thing that's so fascinating to me is you look at the way that the media um, talked about Harambe. Harambe, okay, if you didn't know, uh, it was in Cincinnati Zoo. Uh, uh, somehow a little kid got into um, the gorilla habitat and this gorilla was flinging this kid around and, uh, and then the dangerous animal reaction team, Dart, not kidding, uh, shot Harambe, killed him. Not with a dart, but with a bullet. And he, he died. 
And people were going crazy. How, how dare they do this to Arambe? Don't they know there's only 700 Western lowland gorillas in the world? And if you look, if you look at the way the media presented it, they talked about Harambe, the Western lowland gorilla, and a three-year-old boy. Harambe and a three-year-old boy. Do you see, there's subtlety here. The gorilla had a name. The three-year-old boy, Isaiah, was hard to find, didn't have a name. Because they had elevated Harambe over this three-year-old boy. Isn't that crazy? Because in our elevation of, human, of, of animal rights, we've, we've gotten rid of human rights. And we need to realize that this, we're being affected by this. Whoa. Abortion. Like I said before, you know, we've killed about 60 million babies legally that we know of since 1973 in the Roe Ro- Ro- Ro vs. Wade decision. And we need to understand, we need to realize, man, when we're talking this week, we're talking about identity. And do you need to find your identity in Christ? That's absolutely true. And even more on a foundational level, you need to find your identity as human beings created in the image of God. There's something special about being a human being that's different than being an animal. And then when we look at abortion, abortion is a big deal. This is a huge issue. We're talking about eternal souls created in Christ's image who are being killed in the place where they should be the safest. Isn't that crazy? You guys know that this year, uh, yeah, this year, the Center for Medical Progress is a a group, it's an anti-abortion group that posted a bunch of videos online talking about how Planned Parenthood was, were killing babies and selling their body parts and having candid conversation over meals like, oh, I wish we had more livers or kidneys because we could make more money off of those. And a lot of times it's better if we can have the whole baby intact alive before we kill it so that we can harvest the organs better. And you, you see that and your heart goes out and it makes you sick and angry. And you think, man, I wish something would be done about this. You know, are people pressing lawsuits? Yeah, they are against the center for medical progress. Meanwhile, Planned Parenthood is receiving billions of dollars from us, from the government. We're their biggest supporter. And it's crazy. As you think through the arguments um, for abortion, it's ridiculous. People talk about how is this, this is a woman's rights issue. Not the case. This isn't true. But should a woman have a right to her own body? Absolutely. But her own body should be, you know, you should be referring to something with like the same DNA, same blood type, right? In any other situation, another body with another heart, brain, arms, legs is considered another body. You know, it's crazy you guys realize that like at upon conception, this, this little baby has its own genetic makeup. Do you, you know, what's weird is that I have a different blood type than my mom. And now you might be thinking, yeah, what's the big deal about that? The blood that I have, I got while inside of my mom. Isn't that weird? Did you know my brother, uh, my brother-in-law, his, no, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, every time she was pregnant, she had to get a shot in her belly because her blood type and the baby's blood type were oppositely charged. How could that be the same body? Do you see that? It's crazy because in, uh, it, there's 38 states where uh, a baby uh, inside the mother is considered a, uh, if, uh, it's considered human 
and that you can be charged with a double homicide if a woman and a baby get killed. If a drunk driver, this is where it's just it's silly. If a drunk driver hits a woman when she's driving on her way to get an abortion, um, and he kills them both, and he's charged with a double homicide. And you look at the, the writing in a lot of these states, and they use words like at any stage in gestation. That means any, from conception on, the state will consider that a baby, a human life in some senses. Right? That, um, the, I mean, if we've got a whole branch of fetal surgery, teach it, treats that baby like a human being, like its own, like its own patient. You have to talk about when does personhood begin, and it can't be like size, age, reason, location, independence, because those break down. We have to talk about from, I mean, it's from conception. From conception is the only, that's the only, it's the only place we can make this argument. We need to realize this is a big deal. So what do we do? Um, I, I mean, we're under attack in every area. It's a, it's a worldview issue. Uh, we're, we need to develop, to, in, to intentionally develop a distinctively Christian worldview, right? You need to pay attention to what's influencing the way that you think, what's influencing your values. Pay attention to that. And, and I'm not saying that this means that you need to make sure that you spend more time reading the Bible than doing anything else because then that, you would, that might be good for a time, but then that would make you ineffective in the world, right? Because there's a difference between um, quality and quantity, when you're reading the Bible, if you're studying God's word, you're trying to be changed by it, trying to be formed by it, as opposed to when you're listening to music or watching videos or whatever. You're not, it's not intentionally trying to, to change you, but it is. And that's where you need to pay attention. You have to pay attention to this. Ask tough questions, right? Try to figure things out. What do you, what do you value? Why do you value those things? So, I mean, my prayer for y'all is that we, we really do pay attention, open our eyes, pay attention to the attacks that are, that are against us right now as Christians in this country and in our culture right now and fight them with the truth of Scripture. So let me pray for us, and we'll have 12 minutes before first lunch. Gracious Lord, we love you. Thank you and praise you. Please um, help us. Help us to think like Christians and to represent you well in this world. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, y'all.